please up, exchange. Awesome, how are you guys doing tonight? I hope good, hope good. All right, well, um, I just wanna say thank you guys. Thank you, Pastor Mark and Michelle for inviting me back here. Um, And definitely a huge thank you to all of you guys for showing up. I feel like that's a huge feat in itself. I'm super excited to be here and share all that God has put on my heart with you guys. Uh, So Pastor Mark had introduced me. My name is Kelsey Brooks. Um, I am a mental health counselor. I am currently in private practice, which is awesome. I really love being in that setting. Um, I have been doing counseling. I just did the math yesterday, actually, and it's been four years that I have been seeing clients and doing therapy, so that is amazing. Um, I love love what I do. I'm super passionate about it. Um, I am married. My husband, Pastor Ty, Tyler Brooks is actually, yes, he deserves all of the, yes, definitely hype him up, but um, (laughs) he is actually the family ministries pastor here at the Carrollwood campus. So this is my home campus, and I definitely feel like I'm at home with all of you guys tonight. Um, I do want to say this. I am speaking to you guys from a couple of different perspectives. Uh, Number one is my professional perspective. So I am a therapist, so I definitely have a lot of research and knowledge uh, under my belt in the area of mental health, but also, and I think more importantly, uh, I get to talk to you guys on a personal level. So I'm going to share a little bit of what my journey has looked like over the last couple of years. Um, And while I was preparing for this message, you know, I just, I said yes to this, and I felt like immediately God started downloading all of this really awesome content for this message tonight, and that was great, but I had to like sort through it, and I'm like, okay, God, what do you want them to know? They have been hearing, you know, soul care, topics about mental health. What can I bring to this? And again, just like downloading more and more content. Um, So finally, I changed my prayer, and I changed it from God, what do you want them to know to, God, what doesn't the enemy want them to know about the topic of mental health? And so that is the perspective that I'm going to bring to you guys on this topic of mental health. And one of those two, the two things that I feel like God really led me to was, number one, our identity. Number two, our foundation in Christ. And, And I broke that down into two questions that I want you guys to ask yourselves throughout this message tonight. And number one is, what are you believing about who God says you are? And what are you believing about who God says he is? And I know that using words like identity, foundation, mental health, these things are really personal to every one of you guys in here. It looks different for every one of you guys. But what I think is consistent across the table is consistently there is an attack on your mental health. There is an attack on your identity and your foundation in Christ, and the enemy is using, I 100% believe, that the enemy is using the area of mental health to attack those areas of your lives. And so before I get super passionate, this is a topic that I could go for days on, but I've got 30 minutes up here. So before I get super passionate, I'm going to invite the Holy Spirit into this conversation so that he can help me stick to my outlines, okay? So everyone bow your head, close your eyes. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for this opportunity that we get to meet 
with like-minded people. We have the freedom to come here and praise you and hear your word, Father. I pray that you would bring the defensive walls down to every single person in this room. Allow them to hear your words only. Give me your words to speak. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we're going to start with some basics. Um, When I talk about the topic of mental health, I like to explain what mental health is. So we're going to throw a slide up here, and it kind of breaks down. I love this perspective of mental health because it shows us here that mental health encompasses our biological, psychological, and social well-being. Um, It can be affected by a lot of different factors. Um, It can be impacted by things that are outside of your control. Mental health can be impacted by your relationships with yourself and other people. Um, And clearly it's something that all of us have, which uh, I think is really important. We can all level with each other on that piece as well. But you can see there's a lot of things even in those different areas that make up a person's mental health. And I like to explain this too because I think a lot of times people think, okay, you know what, I don't have anxiety or depression, so, so I don't have mental health. And you don't have to be on the extreme end, but it's, it's clear that we need to talk about there is an extreme end of mental health. And so sometimes that does look like different diagnoses and disorders that maybe some of you guys even in this room struggle with. Um, and I have this thing here, it's called the DSM, and it's the Diagnostic and Statistics Manual of Mental Health Disorders. So this is used by every mental health, and we can, um, we can kind of cut that slide too, um, just so that they don't keep going up there. But um, this is used by every mental health resource, whether it's a therapist, a psychiatrist, uh, probably what people are getting on TikTok when it comes to self-diagnosing and stuff. Everything comes from this book here. And I, the, the area that I struggle with this when I'm talking with clients is there's a chance that I'm only seeing a small picture. This book is used to give people diagnoses and disorders based on how they are presenting to my office. And that can be hard for me. Um, one of the things when I was studying for my licensure exam, I'm just about licensed, so I just took that a couple of months ago, and I'm, I'm grateful that I'm done with that, but I did a lot of studying during that time, and my husband and I, we would go to uh, Panera, we would go to the Panera Bread right around the corner from our house, and one of the times we drove up there, uh, we drove up there separate, so I come in with my backpack, and I am ready to study, and when I mean ready to study, like I've got a bag packed I could be there for 72 hours to study. I am prepared with everything that I need to live at Panera. So I get in there. My husband starts moving our bags around. And he picks up my bag and he's like, oh my gosh, like what is in this bag? And I'm like, what is not in this bag? I've got snacks. I've got change of clothes. Like I'm ready to conquer the day. And so it's a game at this point. I'm pulling a couple of things out and I'm like, okay, check it now. Is it is it like, can you pick it up? But he, he picks it up. He's, it's still heavy. What is going on in here? And so I pull this book out and now I ask him, hey, pick it up again. And he picks it up and he's like, why are you carrying this book around. It is so heavy. And I think that this is a perfect representation of the weight that we carry in our lives when it comes to self-diagnosing, what we see on TikTok and social media, um, what people have spoken over us in our lives, trauma from our past, maybe even some of our own diagnoses that we have been given. But 
the DSM, this book here, any other kind of influences in our lives, mental health resources and influences should not carry more weight than the weight of what God says about who he is and who you are. And so I'm going to continue to just to speak that over you guys tonight. Um, Matthew 11:28 through 30 says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke and learn from me because I am lowly and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He is saying, come to me and leave it here because it's not supposed to be heavy. And I believe that our spiritual foundation is the key in this fight, in this war, in this battle for our mental health. And I will die on a hill when I say that. Luke 6, 47 through 48 says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he is like. 48, he is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when a flood arose, the stream broke against the house and it could not be shaken because it had been well built. Our spiritual health, that is made up of like our values and principles, our belief systems. These things provide a sense of purpose and meaning to our lives. And a foundation in Christ, what that verse is saying is that a foundation in Christ is the only way that you're going to be left standing when life happens and when seasons change and when storms come in our life. If we haven't built a firm foundation, what are we going to be left to stand on? And so when a lot of things in our life are changing like they do every single day, I know that the emotion that I woke up with this morning and the emotion that I'm feeling right now, I've had like 50 emotions in between. There's a lot of things constantly changing in our lives. And so we have to use the filter of something that is unchanging. And God says he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so when things in our lives are triggering, are chaotic, are unpredictable, we need to continue to use that filter of who does God say he is? Who does God say that I am? And I need you guys to hear me when I say that spiritual health is key because what I'm not saying is praying away your symptoms and praying away your problems is the only thing that's going to fix what you're going through in the mental health world. But what I am saying is if you consider yourself a Christian and consider yourself to be saved and a follower of Christ and you're not inviting God into every single one of those circumstances, then I think that we can agree that there may be a problem. Um, I know that you guys have had a lot of awesome messages, a lot of really good content during this Soul Care series. Um, uh, One of those things being the topics of anxiety, depression, and I know that anxiety is used in the Bible quite a few times. It's like God already knew that we were going to struggle with emotional health, right? It's already in there. And so when you guys have talked about the root word of anxiety, when we're looking at uh, the New Testament and and Greek translation, we're going to talk about it from the Latin translation. And the root word anxiety comes from the Latin origin, translating to the word choke. And 
I think it's important to acknowledge that, at least for me, because, and, and just like nod your head or raise your hand so I know that I'm not alone in this, when I think about what's gone on in the last year for me, even the last six months, the emotions that I feel, the circumstances that I've been in, the really tough things, having to pep talk myself through every single day, every single moment of the day in order to not numb out what I'm feeling, it feels at times like there is a heavy pressure and a heavy weight, like I'm gasping for air, like I'm choking. And I know that I can't be the only one that feels this way. And, and I have to say, there is such thing as healthy anxiety and healthy stress. We know that. I'm kind of like, I think I have the wrong, wrong thing here. Um, such things, healthy anxiety, healthy stress, okay. Healthy sadness. All right, back on track, okay. Um, we know that we have real emotions and real feelings. We're not just like Christian robots going through life. Clearly, I'm a human being too. So we all have sin in our lives though. We all have life experiences outside of our control that have contributed to unhealthy ways of coping with emotions in our lives. And so when we're, when we're talking about anxiety in this choking context, I think that we can all find something in our lives that make us feel like we're really overwhelmed by it or can make us feel like we're choking. And so we're going to talk a little bit about this unhealthy cycle of anxiety. Um, I've got a slide here that we're going we're gonna to work through together, and I'll kind of read what uh, the small words up there say. But we've got this unhealthy cycle of anxiety. We're going to start up at the top, and where you see the, the triangle with the exclamation point, this is trigger, okay? This is like, this is a trigger. An anxiety-provoking situation leads to uncomfortable symptoms such as worry, fear, a racing heart, sweating, or feeling of being overwhelmed. So when a trigger happens, we feel those things. And then we go over to our next place, avoidance. Uncomfortable symptoms are controlled by avoiding the anxiety-producing situation. So we respond to a trigger with avoidance. And then we get to this short-term relief from anxiety. So when we avoid the trigger, we realize we get an immediate sense of relief and the symptoms of anxiety lessen but only temporarily. And that turns into what is inevitable, the long-term growth of anxiety. The, the fear that initially led to avoidance, it worsens. The brain begins to learn if I avoid this thing, the symptoms of anxiety will go away. And as a result, the symptoms will be worse and avoidance is more likely. So I know that that's a lot of information. I want to just go back up to this top here, the anxiety piece. This is life, stress, anxiety, depression, trauma reminders, feeling unworthy, feeling abandoned. These triggering things in our lives, they trigger what we call a fight or flight response. This is like survival mode. And this might be kind of out of left field, but, but go with me here for a second. I think it's interesting that we're referred to as children of God. I don't have kids, but I do a lot of parent coaching with parents whose kids are, for whatever reason, the kids are just not functioning as their best self. And when I'm talking with parents and bringing some understanding, I'm letting them know, hey, when your child is in fight or flight mode, when your child is triggered by something, when the child is acting out and you have no reason why, this is not the moment to bring 
a learning moment. This is not the moment to bring like change or like hardcore, this is what you need to do, correction. This is the moment that because the child's brain is so chaotic, we need to focus on soothing. And so survival mode is counteracted by soothing. And I feel like this is exactly what all of us do in our lives. So when we're, when we're looking at this avoidance moment, um, some ways that maybe avoidance can look in our lives, skipping class or church because we don't want to be around large groups of people, other defense mechanisms that we've learned in our lives that keep us from really being able to feel the emotions in the present moment. Maybe it's numbing and escaping from our feelings with drugs or alcohol, watching porn, eating excess food, procrastinating on challenging tasks. When we try to do the soothing on our own, when we try to do the soothing in the way that the world believes is the answer, that leads to things like self-destruction, short-term relief, long-term anxiety, that puts us in that unhealthy cycle that we were looking at. And some of these defense mechanisms, I want you guys to understand that some of these were created because your body in different moments was going, I am stressed, this is I've got to get out now mode. And so you created some of these unhealthy ways of coping in order to protect yourself from feeling that. But because we're, we've been using them every day, whether we're stressed or not, these things now have become a habit and we're using them every time a negative emotion arises. But when we're secure in our foundation and our identity, those inevitable triggers that come up for us every day, when we're firm in that foundation, the things that are outside of our control that trigger that anxiety, it goes from survival mode, we can insert security in Jesus, and then we can soothe from a healthy place. And that is where the freedom and the healing are found. And a little bit about me, um, I've got some, some serious triggers in my life that still tend to come up uh, on a regular basis. A lot of them are triggers from a toxic relationship that I was in before my husband, I can promise you that. But when moments happen for me where I feel controlled, and that could be something like, hey babe, it's time to go to bed. I'm like, whoa, not tired, like absolutely not. Like something, something as simple as that sometimes when I'm in an unhealthy place, feeling bored because I was so used to chaos in my life, Flashbacks and other trauma reminders, those things trigger this survival mode. It kicks in. And, and in the past, and even sometimes now, because I'm a human being, I soothe in unhealthy ways. And some things, some of the ways that that's looked for me in my life are things like self-sabotage, like I'm, I'm ready to, to start a fight with my husband. Um, binge eating, drinking heavily, picking fights, discontentment. I start questioning my marriage, questioning my career. I'm questioning what God says about him and what God says about me. And there is some short-term relief in those moments when I turn to those things because I'm too focused on fixing what was broken. I'm too focused on fixing the, the trauma or the, the things that came up, the, those hurts that came up in those moments that I'm never actually getting after the underlying problem. And so how do we replace short-term soothing with that security in Jesus? When someone is choking, what would we use 
to dislodge whatever the person is choking on. Do you guys know what that is? The Heimlich maneuver. I don't know what statistics say about it, but I'm using this analogy for this message. So the Heimlich maneuver is a sudden strong pressure that's applied on the abdomen and repeated until the object is unlodged. And I believe that these steps can be used as the Heimlich maneuver for our choking moments in our lives, those fight or flight and survival mode moments. And so when the enemy is attacking us with confusion, making us question things, our brain is going chaotic, we need to respond with confrontation. This is not the time to avoid. This is the time to confront. And so the first thing in our Heimlich maneuver is to invite God into your circumstances. And I don't know maybe what it looks like for all of you guys, but here's the thing. We maybe don't know what every single trigger in our life is, but I am so confident that every one of you in this room can identify a thought, a feeling, or a behavior that does not align with who God says he is and who God says you are. I think the easiest way to identify a trigger in our life is to identify the areas of our lives that don't align with God's word. And I'm still navigating some of these triggers in my life, to be honest. I don't have it down. But I think that the, the easiest way to start that first step, inviting God into your situation, is to start with a humble prayer and acceptance. And so a few things um, that pop into my head when I think about this prayer, a few things. Um, God, I admit that I can't do this on my own anymore. I admit that what I have been doing is not working. And I need you. It's as simple as that. What's been happening, how it's been going, and who you really need. The second thing in our Heimlich Maneuver is desensitization. So that's a, a therapy word. Um, and what that really means is to be less sensitive to. And so there's a lot of things that are uncomfortable. Like we said, there is such thing as healthy anxiety and stress. And so when we talk about desensitization, we're not talking about just anything that makes us feel uncomfortable. We're talking about those really intense triggers in our lives that when we try to soothe on our own, when we're triggered, it sends us back into that anxiety cycle. It's the things that you want to look different, but you continue to do the same thing and expect to be somewhere different keeping us in that unhealthy cycle. It can be things like painful emotions, flashbacks, thoughts, environments, learned behaviors or defense mechanisms. It could be circumstances themselves, or it could be the emotions that come from the circumstances. And it could be something like um, a feeling of disappointment from unmet expectations. Like we think that we're going through a cycle of depression, but really there's a loss in our life that we need to grieve. And so whatever those things are for you, I'm gonna show you um, an example using my own personal anxiety hierarchy, uh, just using that, that word choke. Like what are the things in your life that make you feel like you're choking? So here's mine, and basically what you would do is you would create that, that list of those top things in your life the things that really trigger that fight or flight moment for you. And you would rank them from least anxiety provoking to most anxiety provoking. And these things need to be safe 
Okay, I'm not saying you need to go jump into a conversation with your toxic ex or you need to hit the club just so you can work on not drinking. I don't know what those things are for you, but they need to be safe. And when I'm looking at my anxiety hierarchy, I think that one of the really big things that I realized when I was looking at this, like these are my top six things in my life that send me into chaos mode. And so if I thought to myself, I'm uncomfortable when I talk to clients, I'm uncomfortable when I text people back because I always want to say the right thing. I'm uncomfortable when I get on stage. It made me think and it confirmed that the enemy wants you to be sensitive to these things because I believe that God wants to use these things so that you can minister to people in your life. If I said no, to this moment, no matter how much I didn't eat or sleep the day before, I wouldn't be able to get up here and share the things that I know that God has put on my heart for you to hear. And so I wonder what's going on in each of your guys' lives that you may be saying no to, but that God is calling you to because it's bigger. And that you're trying to lean on your own strength to do, but God is saying, no, lean on me because the way that you've been doing this by yourself is not working. And some of these things can be, I don't know, life, work, relationships, I don't know. But I think the third thing that we need to do in this Heimlich maneuver is we need to start somewhere. Because life can feel super overwhelming. It can feel like you've got a giant mountain in front of you. And no one's asking you to conquer Mount Everest, but I believe that you can, you can take one step on this hike. You can, you can move forward and put your chisel into one area of your life. And maybe you've been chiseling and hiking away for a really long time, and it's cold, and it's lonely, and it's exhausting. And so maybe it's just time right now to find a better way to soothe. Maybe that means you need to get with like-minded people. Maybe your step is going to see a therapist. Maybe it's just figuring out, hey, who am I right now? Who, what does God say about me? And how am I soothing right now that's not aligning with what he's asking? And sometimes soothing can sound like a really weir- weird word, so maybe it's just coping. Maybe that's the word that we need to use. But you just need to start somewhere. Maybe that step is starting a real relationship with God. Here's the thing that I know about the Heimlich Maneuver. I think, imagine if somebody was choking and the people around them were like, you know what, I tried it once. You know, I I applied some pressure on their abdomen one time and, and I just left them there, they're good. No, that's not how it works. This is something that is repeated, that there is pressure that is forced over and over and over again until a person can breathe or cough on their own. It's going to take work. This journey is going to be a continuous practice, continuous efforts day in and day out. And maybe you need to take some time to rewrite and rewire some of these patterns because it's all you've known for so long. And I know Pastor Mark and Michelle are gonna talk a little bit about that next week. So definitely come back to hear more of that. But we are no longer in a season where we can just throw a little prayer out here and continue to use unhealthy coping strategies. In just a moment, the band is going to take us back into a little bit more worship because I don't want to share all of this. I don't want to talk about this cycle of unhealthy cycle of anxiety and these triggers and then just 
leave you guys to sit in it. I want to create a space for us to let all of that sink in. And I don't know what you walked in here with tonight, but here's what I do know. I know that this is not the time to be a light-pressured, gentle, not secure in our faith kind of Christians. This is the time for us to find security in Jesus, security, our identity, our foundation in him and his promises for every one of us. And so we're going to go into a time where we can refocus our identity and our security in him, the one who is unchanging when everything else around us is changing. Soak in the presence of God. Invite God into that area, admitting, God, I can't do this on my own anymore. Surrender it to him and allow God to continue revealing and working in those areas of your lives. All right. Thank you, guys.